I'm glad that I get to keep my trauma hidden for at least one more week. Oh, it's still getting used for the social it's network. Even, I don't not think anybody's going to have any issues with that. It's your mother's trauma. There needs to be like a million bleeps in the story, but sure. <laughs> I picture her with one of like those, the things that scratches paint off. Oh, <laughs> God. Just in there like a, a janitor in a bad middle school bathroom, oh. just scraping your semen <laughs> off of the walls. I'll actually mean it for once. Sorry, Mom. Sorry, God. <laughs> Sorry, walls. Jeez. Wall cheese, yes. Wall cheese. Oh, oh. oh, man. That's how you know we've been doing this for a long time. Good the well. Lord. Shane's heard it all, but it's, I, I forget that not everyone knows how fucking ridiculous I, I No, we know. We just pretend it, it we don't. It doesn't help. Is that where Courtney's Maytag Blue came I'm, from? Oh. <laughs> I'm, 30, I'm now officially 30 years old, and I'm looking back being like, like most people would be like, I can't believe that I did that stuff. But as the person that I've grown to be, I look back. I'm like, yeah, I can totally believe that. <laughs> I think you're more like at this point, like I can't believe I lived. I can't believe I stopped doing this. this there was fall there off is yet. a lot of there is a lot of stuff I look back on. I'm like, that could have been a really really hairy uh, turn that you made there. If you would have kept going that down that path. And speaking of hairy turns, welcome. And Heil come slingers to Heil. the Disinformed Podcast. I'm Shane. I'm regrettably John. I'm Michael. I'm Courtney. And I am fairly certain that this is the high water mark for this show. Yes. Yeah. It's gonna throw that out there like John whipping rope at the bathroom wall. Repainting that bathroom. Retexturing the walls. Even Not better. How'd you get stuccoing? How'd you get, how'd you get so much grout in here? <laughs> Why do you have popcorn of, ceilings in I your was bathroom? About to make that joke. <laughs> John's plumber's cock. <laughs> if there's one thing that's remained a constant in my life is that the testosterone levels never gone down. And Shane, I feel like is the only person who could probably relate to that. Where I don't feel like there's a cap. Uh, every time I think that they're like I've found the max amount, I find one more way yeah every time disgusting. i think that i'm capped out my tits keep getting bigger so uh <laughs> Welcome apparently to the tmi podcast <laughs> still in regression but what we typically do on this glorious show other than imparting too much information is we impart disinformation Ooh. we like to dredge up random esoteric topics and then we lie about them to one another and it is a significant amount of fun and i'm sure that you are going to be grossly entertained because this evening we're going to bring you something that I have already pre-dubbed as Too Bizkit to Quit. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, I haven't talked to you guys in a long time about an actual topic. What? Actually, uh, we haven't talked to you. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, but tonight I have, uh, or today, whenever you're listening, I have three lies here. <laughs> Tomorrow, I oh, have. Don't start playing that game wherever you are, whenever you are. We hope you're enjoying the podcast day or night, evening or breakfast. I'm we're sure like no eggs, matter where Michael just... is listening, On it's the fine. toilet, in the car. Or Steven. Or both. Or both. Mm-hmm. If you're sitting car. on the toilet, do me a favor. Just take your phone and throw it right at the wall. Uh, <laughs> It'll knock stick. off. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Just like uh, when they used to throw the, you know, what's the appropriate oh, word? Here we go. Yeah, let's oh, play no. the gymnastics here. When they used to do the dwarf tosses and uh, have folks stick Are to the neoprene like walls. Are you talking like Wolf of Wall Street, Jordan yes. Belfort uh, mm -hmm. with the dartboard? Jesus. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> so... Three lies. Uh, 
When the weekend of July 29th, 2021 arrived and Lollapalooza began, I don't think people were prepared to ask themselves the question, is there a neo-new metal revival upon us? Bullshit. Neo-new no. metal. <laughs> I was prepared. That is actually that's, a term. new-new. Yeah, yeah it, I'd rather new, have the new-new. new-new. Ah, that new-new. Mm. But as Limp Bizkit took like? the stage on July 31st <laughs> and Fred Durst walked out with his new dad new, new. vibe look. Yes, you could feel the familiar anxiety of this is either going to be a train wreck or an insane amount of fun. Now, I know that taste is subjective, but I personally think Limp's set was oddly inspiring. I've mentioned it earlier. I feel like it was a big comeback moment for them that no one was prepared for. And the Internet seems to mostly agree with me on this. Is this like a Courtney comeback, though? I Jesus Christ. It's the new new comeback. (laughs) Apparently that joke, uh, since John has never listened to one of our episodes, he doesn't remember that. Oh, I remember it. I was just trying to get it. For I was just trying to just drive right through it. I'm really so glad that I could end my career on this show on a John episode. Yep. <laughs> it's good to have it's we been all good having you. We all do. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, one of my sources for today's episode put it very well, and that was, if nothing else, a band that was popular before viral was a thing is having its first viral moment. What? <laughs> Before viral, as far as was like a viral thing. media, you know, like yeah, because they they're oh. not talking about the pandemic, Michael. Calm no, down. Oh no, I'm not saying oh, that. Well, then hear me out then, because today we are going to talk about who is Limp Biscuit and who? what is a Fred Durst. Oh, what <laughs> you mean new? Who, who the new new? Man, you are bleeding that joke dry, and it was. <laughs> I wanted really, to be done so that we don't have to deal with it to begin with. Mm, moist. <laughs> <laughs> for that, starters that word gets me every michael time. <laughs> <laughs> and this is the reason i wanted to talk about this we got to understand something very clearly and finn mckenty of the punk rock nba put it very well he said uh, i believe fred durst is actually a very intelligent analytical guy who chose to play the part of that red hat knucklehead bro in limp biscuit just the same way as tom hardy played the part of venom in spider-man and i know that he fucked up the reference because tom hardy was in venom a standalone feature but regardless, um, I linked the episode that he has on this entitled We Need to Talk About Fred Durst. <laughs> and he expands on this concept a lot. Um, but the general point, not to be too plain, comes down to Fred Durst. And uh, as far as it goes to Limp Biscuit being more performance art, where he's very self-aware of the things that he's doing for the sake of this generic band. He is. He's talking with his hands. We all it's, do it. I it's mean, spreading. I love my it. My whole body is basically in the shot, so hot. <laughs> it's hard for you not to see this. Yeah, nice Margot shirt, by the way. Thank you. I'm very proud of this one. I made it myself. Just don't start playing with your feet while you're talking again, because oh, I, that I can't weird episode where I was like fucking super high the entire time. Oh. Oh, no. I was basically jacking off on the couch. So he admitted. it. Yeah. Finally. Oh my god. So let's talk about uh, Limp Biscuit. I thought you were gonna say let's talk about feet. <laughs> you even said let's talk about Limp Biscuit. You had that f- the the F sound going in there. Oh yeah. I was wet now- and ready. Let's not get in together now, please. <laughs> the band's been nominated for three Grammy Awards, sold bullshit. 40 million records. No, that's actually what? I just calling bullshit on the reality Grammys. that so allows thing, that to happen. I'm gonna have to like fuck my script up a little bit, but the thing <sighs> is, is that I originally wanted to do this episode mainly on Fred Durst exclusively, but then when I looked at Limp Biscuit's history, it's far more entertaining, at least to me, and I hope you guys agree. <laughs> um because there there are so many anecdotals where it's like 
that can't be real. This can't be real life. And it was. The 90s was a fucking wild time. True that. And the early aughts. I was like, they were more, it feels like me, they were an early aughts band. Right. But, um, but yeah, so they did win three Grammy Awards. Uh, they sold 40 million records plus worldwide and other awards. They were one of the pioneers of the genre affectionately known as New Metal. Not neo-new, but just New Metal. Um, and New Metal itself had kicked off properly by the band Shane Can Guess It, maybe. I don't want to talk about it. Corn uh, <laughs> on their 1994 debut. Uh, new metal, for those not familiar, is a fusion of genres ranging from jazz and hip-hop all the way to death metal. Um, they typically take the best of metal or the worst of metal and the best or the worst of hip-hop and try and blend them together, uh, not to put too fine a point on it. I was going to say, have... where, did, where did jazz factor into that? I would like to know who you're um, citing as a source for jazz. Yeah. I... You, can, you can see the show notes. Uh... <laughs> <sighs> Because there are some folks that do make very bizarre-shaped chords, and I will go with that. But it's like the genre was almost defined by people playing seven-string guitars and just well, drone-beating everybody into submission. Well, I, I would make an argument that System of a Down has very jazzy aspects to them. There are there are jazz elements present. doesn't mean the whole song has to be like, look at this jazz new metal song. But there can be jazz present, just like we're not a jazz band. But there are jazz elements present in our music. Name them. Name uh, five. Vertigo's polyrhythm breakdown. That's very jazzy. In principle. Okay, we're we're gonna split hairs here. <laughs> but that, so that's what I was gonna say is that um, if we wanted to talk about new metal, that would be a whole different episode, and you could cover easily three hours plus on just the genre and the subgenres. But that's not really what we're here for. What? So I was Christ. gonna I was gonna oversimplify and say it was a very '90s into the early aughts thing that kind of died off. Um, but I will say that it inspired a lot of bands into present day. Um, like so, with like what? Like who? Can you name five? Damn the weather! Wow, you can. Fuck According me. to John. <laughs> well, I mean, technically, uh, cold, cold is technically new metal, and that's an inspiration of Shane's in one shape. Uh, in many another. ways, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, even though it's a moped band of mine, Stained is a is an influence of mine. So mm -hmm. there's two. Um, Corn has influenced. I can't even name how many bands. Uh, you could name I, Dead, Slipknot. Oh, go ahead. I think what Michael was saying is we needed to name five current bands who, who are influenced uh, display by new metal. An yeah, of, yeah. Of new like metal. new metal is its own genre. You could easily pull out of a hat like some major names that are associated with that if, genre. If I'm you authentically <laughs> want a band that was inspired by new metal and it's very present. Look up the current band called Tala, T-A-L-L-A-H. They are basically what Slipknot was in 99, uh, present day, though. They are fucking wild. Okay. Um, notably, they, they did a cover of uh, Genie's song in Aladdin. Uh, friend, friend Like, like me? me? Yes. Yeah. They did a cover of that in their style, and it's fucking incredible. Okay. But anyway, back word. to... You don't have to take my word for it. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I mean, it's Asher approved, which means everyone should like it, right? Uh, I'm not sure that carries the carte blanche, we assume, but uh, <laughs> sure. Well, back to Limp Bizkit. Uh, the lineup has changed multiple times since their start in Jacksonville in 1994. But the key players have always been Fred Durst as the front man, Wes Borland most of the time as the guitar player, John Otto on the drums, and Sam Rivers on the bass. Additionally, they did add DJ Lethal, originally from House of Pain. 
uh, on there on the turntables. Uh, turntables is also a very big proponent to that classic new metal sound. It was hard to get away from from scratching records on those tracks. Mm. Um, but why this the is name? Another Lincoln Park fan here. Lincoln Park is actually say. new metal as well. Yeah, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I would definitely agree. Durst has been quoted saying about the name. Uh, that the name the name is there to turn people's heads away. A lot of people pick up the disc and go, Limp Biscuit, oh, they must suck. Those and the they wouldn't we... be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Those are the people that we don't even want listening to our music. <laughs> so that sounded pretentious what, as fuck. <laughs> given what you subjected me to on Sunday, I love that he's going to point his nose up at people. I know. But, uh, I'm waiting for that to get unveiled, I'm sure. Do you guys, uh, guys want to hear other names that... Almost made the cut. Yeah, oh, please. Sure. Gimp Disco. Split Dick Slit. <laughs> <laughs> no. That's yes. better. <laughs> uh, bitch Piglet. <laughs> and Blood Fart. <laughs> oh, God. I can't choose between Bitch yeah, Piglet or Blood Florida. Fart. That's, that's not a lie. That's Jacksonville's fuck. <laughs> <laughs> please tell me Blood Fart's a lie. <laughs> they are all real. Oh. That's what I was saying. As soon as I got to that, I think is when I was like, "Fuck Fred Durst." <laughs> I was like, we're, we're, also, we're as evidenced by you know how painfully uh, inept he is, all of these are still intended to rhyme, other than blood fart. <laughs> I, I personally, <laughs> they all fan. bear a striking sem- uh, resemblance to one another. <laughs> I really like the imagery of bitch piglet. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's my favorite. Yeah. <laughs> so Limp Biscuit in Jacksonville were underground darlings. Thanks very much to Durst and his word of mouth marketing. Because keep in mind, this is the uh, the early to mid '90s, and there wasn't social media to do this. So he was basically going door to door, just being like, "Listen to my fucking stupid band. We're called Limp Biscuit. Isn't that funny?" Um, I was actually quick- just uh, sorry not to interrupt. I was oh. just listening to Jacob Dylan had an interview on Rogan because I occasionally just weird musicianship yeah. catches me. And he was saying the same things like, you know, if you consider like the 80s and 90s, a lot of musicians are weird people and they don't have friends. So you're trying to talk disinterested folks into coming and seeing a band that they don't care about in the first place. It's like you have to be a really marvelous salesman in order to have gotten over pre-social media. Well, we're in social media times now, but I don't know if you remember back when we had our original lineup uh, of our band, Shane, but we were leading up to our debut show at Crescent Ballroom. And I remember one evening where it was me and two members that aren't in the band anymore. Um, we were going to Marquee Theater to wait for a show to let out and hand out flyers for the show. Even, the sh- even though the show was free, mm-hmm. like we were waiting to go there. Like That's what you had to do. Yep. Uh, th- when I was 16, we would go to the mall. And you'd just walk around the mall, flyers to your show, and just trying to hand them to people. Um, or worse, the dicks that go around and put things on the windshields of people's I would cars, never do that. God, it's so which disgusts me. But oh, anyway, like sorry it. for the digression, but it's important no. to at least contextualize when these folks rose to prominence, which is kind of important because there were a lot of hurdles back then. This is why I thought it would be fun, uh, and not just because I've been listening to a lot of No Dogs in Space on the LPN network, but like bands' histories inherently fascinate me because I want to know like why you got big. Like, why this was even a thing for you. Or just, like, uh, Shane had an idea for a podcast back in the day called Green Room, I think, right? Green Rumors. Green Rumors, Mm -hmm. where you just interview touring bands as they're passing through and, like, get their wildest tour stories. But, anywho. Uh, So, Limp Bizkit quickly went from playing small shows to 10 people at best to 800 people in a matter of months, thanks again uh, to Fred Durst and his marketing. 
yeah, even bands like Stained opened up for them before Limp was even signed in the Jacksonville scene. To continue their growth, they realized as a band that they'd have to up the ante. So Wes Borland, their guitar player, started dressing up in costumes, putting in funny contacts. If you look up pictures of, of Wes Borland, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, the cover, though, is, is what really got them attention because they realized as well that they needed to engage a first-time listener. And the best way to do that um, is to play a song they know. So they did a cover of George Michael's Faith in their own styling. Uh, I know Shane's probably heard it against his wishes. On many occasions, yes, sadly. Yeah. So, But it, it was effective, and I honestly think it's a really fun cover. Mm-hmm. Um, just just the same way that Tala doing uh, the Aladdin cover is brilliant. Well, and they also are one of the, the folks is like, it's a really great gimmick. It's a, a wonderful place to start because Alien Ant Farm doing, you know, a Michael Smith Jackson Criminal. cover, same thing. Uh, we've all sat around listening to the, you know, Hey Ya cover from time to time for the local favorite here with Obadiah Parker. Obadiah, oh, it's so good. It is so good. It, it aged beautifully. Which was what made me steal from Tool later on. So, you know, everybody kind of runs in the same vein in a different way, shape, or form. Just adapt something to your own tastes. Right. Um, and and next in this time, Durst was calling A&R Represent or representatives pretending to be a manager of Limp Biscuit, like from a different <laughs> company, trying to get him signed. I'd love uh, to hear how he masks his voice. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> um, I was waiting for you to try. Oh, I wasn't even going to try. Your Durst is so spot on, so I would love to hear how he would try to like make himself sound different. Yeah, this is. <laughs> hey, this is Durst. This is Chet Stanley. <laughs> <laughs> this is Chet Stanley. I know this really okay band <laughs> um, called bitch in this, piglet <laughs> it's called it's called dick dick slit <laughs> split dick slit <laughs> what really uh got them on though uh, with the cover corn was touring through jacksonville and durst was a tattoo artist or at least that's what i think the impression is some of the some of the material is a little weird to get through because no one's like saying definitively what he was doing at the time yeah not a lot um, of folks are running around uh, being your biographer when you're right you know, but i think i think at this time he was a, a tattoo artist in some way shape or form corn is coming through town he somehow convinced most of corn to come back to to his his place after the show probably being like yo you can crash here you know you're on tour or whatever yeah give me a give me a sloppy blow jay um, and he convinced the bass player, Fieldy, to listen to some early demos that would later go on to the first record. Fieldy loved the shit and almost immediately talked to the band and got Limp Biscuit added on to the next two tours that Korn did, which is what really, really uh, gathered them more attention and got them their first record deal, uh, which leads us to their first release, which is one of six, although seven might be on the way. Uh, but they released their first album in 1997. However, uh, it didn't immediately launch off. In fact, it took a little bit of old scummy music business tricks to, to kind of get it to gain traction. And the tactic was, is, uh, called payola. And I don't know if you all are familiar with that or not. Mm-hmm. Nope. So essentially the music or the, the record company is going to pay radio stations a fixed amount to play the record company's artist a certain amount of times per hour, per day, what have you, in markets that they choose. So it's essentially boiled down to a fine point. It's pay to play. 
Yes, the reason why you heard things in such gross repetition back in the day was because they were under the table obligated to ensure that that song kept floating back up in the rotation on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Now, it, this this did leave a bad taste in, in the band's mouth. They didn't really like that that was the tactic that was used, but if it worked, it worked, so they just accepted it. It's much like uh, hot dog-flavored water, you would say? Oh, you just wait. You just wait. Um, whether or not they liked it, it didn't stop it from skyrocketing their career. Because um, the cover of Faith gained a lot of traction and changed the game for them. So on June 22nd, 1999, they released their sophomore album, Significant Other, which climbed to number one on the Billboard 200 list, selling 643,874 copies in its first week. Notable songs on this record being Nookie, and who could forget <laughs> Break Stuff. Was that we've number all, a we've lie? We've all heard Break Stuff, right? Probably. But was that no. number yeah. a lie? No. Oh, okay. There is like, a number lie, I think. God damn it. <laughs> Break Stuff, the song notorious for being the inciting incident for Woodstock going off the rails, right? Yep. You're absolutely correct. That's later <laughs> on as well. Bless him. <laughs> However, the band continued to be criticized by the media. An article profiling the band in spin and discussing significant... Uh, uh, Am I Michael? Whoa. Happens to the best of us, friend. An article profiling the band in spin and discussing significant other claimed that Limp Biscuit had yet to write a good song, and musicians <laughs> Marilyn Manson, who let's be real, is a literal piece of shit fucking monster, so who, who cares what he thinks? Mm-hmm. And Trent yeah. Reznor of Nine Inch Nails criticized the band. Um, but I wanted the work to kind of speak for itself, so I've conclu- or included a little excerpt uh, from a song that Shane got uh, familiar with on Sunday. Ooh, God. So I just, wanna, I just want you to, to listen to the lyrics of this song from Significant Other. The uh, the lyrics from the song, No Sex. And just you tell me whether or not they're good or bad. Oh, okay. Brace for impact, friends, because this is going to hurt. Went too fast. Way too soon. I feel disgusted. And you should, too. Mm-hmm. Same. It's no good when all that's left is the sex. The sex. Sex has become all I know about you. Memory of those filthy things that we do. There's not one single thought that's left after sex with you. And here's the hook. You know what's funny is that this sounds very Susian the way you're reading it. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah. you could fuck me with a fox, you could fuck me in a box. <laughs> Should have left my pants on this time, but instead you had to let me dive right in. Should have left my pants on this time. You let me dive right. You let me dive right in. Oh, Wait. I was hoping he was going to say left. It's my ass. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> and your perfume that make temptation hard to refuse. So I guess we undress to have sex. Dirty sex. I, you know, I, I picture know. that he just is getting dressed one day, and he sees perfume, <laughs> and he looks at a mirror, and he looks at his ass, and he's like, I'm good to go. Let's do it. I arouse myself. <laughs> I arouse myself. Hey, that's where the chocolate starfish came in. We're going to get there, but Courtney, you were saying? Oh, I just, I don't know how I feel about you reading Jonah's wedding vows to me on the show, <laughs> actually. Um, How'd your parents If that was take really it? his wedding vows, I would, I, I would quit the show right now. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> moving on. Following the success of their debut, they released Chocolate Starfish in the Hot Dog Flavored Water on October 17th, 2000. That's a real thing? Yes. Yeah. Prior oh, to its release. Oh, you poor sweet summer yes. child. <laughs> Prior to its release, when the, press was, when, the, when the press was told the name, they thought truly 
that it was a joke, that it was just a misleading name so that they could surprise drop what the actual title was, but they were sorely mistaken, and I have the answers for you guys on why they named the album. Okay, that. well, I look oh, forward boy. to this, because obviously a band named, uh, you know, Dick's uh, Pig Tits is, is obviously going to give you something seriously strained. Right. So apparently the, the part, the chocolate starfish part was supposed to be like tongue-in-cheek like a wink to the press of like yes everyone thinks that i'm an asshole fred durst um and then the second half the hot dog flavored water the band had stopped at a truck stop and looking at bottles of flavored water Wes borland joked that the truck stop didn't have hot dog or meat flavored water <laughs> so they just mashed the two together okay i just don't understand why men think some things are funny I, I mean, this podcast. I don't think anyone understands this. <laughs> I don't particularly think that the name of the album is good, but I do have a friend in my circle that probably would make the same fucking joke at a at a truck stop. You know, the the same guy you who taught Sam me how funny poop is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, fucking Cheeto fingers. Yeah, <laughs> Miss fucking piss donuts herself. Miss Mac and Cheetos. Yes. Uh, is the justification for calling it uh, chocolate starfish a lie? Is, is no. it Durst? Okay, so he is self aware. Yes. Oh So that's no. again the the Finn McKenty. Okay. Like, All right. It's performance. Like he knows that he knows he's the bad guy. There's a lot of talk on the uh, on that you or on his episode we need to talk about fred durst where he's talking about how fred durst was like one of the first people prior to this being a thing that had features on his records every single limp biscuit record from significant other onwards has prominent features on it bigger hmm. names like uh jonathan davis of corn is on significant other uh, method Tommy man Shane's, red man uh, yeah uh dude from stone temple pilots is on scott wyland yes yeah. uh, uh he's on Chocolate Starfish, uh, Snoop Dogg is on one of their records as well. Like he well, does these. Snoop Dogg like, will do anything. He'll he'll just jam with anyone. But he won't do that. He's my favorite murderer. <laughs> what? Fair. Yeah. And then I got Snoop my Dogg gas. killed someone. Well, I mean, I guess you could presume, but I mean, he did go to trial. Murder <laughs> was the case that they gave him. Okay. Yeah. Uh, consider me disinformed. <laughs> <laughs> He said it. <laughs> Title drop. So, goofy ass name or not, uh, Starfish was the album of Limp Bizkit's career. It went platinum in its first week, going on to sell over 13 million copies. Prior to this, no rock album had gone platinum in its first week. Nothing that came before or after, however, would come close to the success of this album. Uh, fun Snapple fact: Shane's going to know this, and in fact, some of this is just me, you know telling fun things to Shane that he's going to go, I remember this, um, oh. is oh. when Mission Impossible 2 came out. Uh, Take a Look Around is the name of the song mm -hmm. uh, that's on the soundtrack and also on the record, and it is like the Mission Impossible 2 theme. Yes, it's, it's it technically has... the Mission Impossible theme with him playing you know, that exact line. Uh, now I know why you want to hate me. Yeah, <laughs> Indeed. Like. And he says that 17,000 fucking times. Yeah. Um, also, quick plug to our Guilty Pleasure playlist because, <laughs> one, Limp Biscuits Nookie's featured on it, and two, this is all just Guilty Pleasure shit. It, without question, yes. And uh, that is one of the few Limp Biscuit songs I actually did it not absolutely fucks. despise when I heard it because I was like, okay, I, I can roll with this. Uh, that yeah. is such a bizarre soundtrack in and of itself as well. Yeah, like really I, I still have it sitting the on place. the shelf, so I can read you the track listing. Oh, it yeah. is bizarre. 
Um, so on Starfish itself, other singles that you might know as My Generation, My Way, and of course, Rolling, 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 Rolling. Uh, par- parenthetical, Air Raid Vehicle. Which on the record is split into two parts because the original is earlier on in the track listing and later on they do like a remix that has DMX and somebody else on it. Um, but also, Courtney, you know none of these songs, do you? No. And you're all the better for it. You've escaped scot-free. So this must sound even more ridiculous to you. Yes. <laughs> so, so you haven't even seen the dance anywhere. What dance? Okay, there is a dance with this music video, so that is a reaction that I'm sure that you're going to look forward to having at some point. In the music video, they have a bunch of uh, young ladies who are dressed as Fred Durst with the backwards cap and all, acting like they're driving a big rig, basically, with their hands, and it's uh, abhorrent. His signature look, look, Courtney, um, was a backwards red hat. And he became that was his persona. Uh, so in some of the music videos, like like Shane's saying, he would the joke would be to look like Fred Durst. Again, not to jerk off Finn McKenty too much here. Too late. But that was another thing that he brought up where Durst was very intelligent. This is a reason that he was smart, is because he made himself a brand before making yourself a brand was really a thing in the genre itself. Hmm. But since we had Trent Reznor mentioned earlier, um, and we're still talking about Starfish, the opening track entitled Hot Dog is pretty notable. Namely because it's just a huge troll of a song that kicks off the record. The word fuck is used 49 times intentionally, and the chorus is a parody of Nine Inch Nails' Closer. Uh, DJ Lethal even used samples of the song in the song. Um, did they really say fuck 49 times? They did. And I'm glad you asked because I included an excerpt uh, of some of the lyrics here. <laughs> he was now just waiting. Just, he was I'm, waiting. I'm sitting, I'm over here like sitting, standing in the bushes of love uh, <laughs> for 49 times. Ain't life a bitch? Yeah. A fucked up bitch? True. A fucked up sore? Was mm-hmm. a fucked up stitch? Mm-hmm. A fucked up head? Uh-huh. It's a fucked up shame. Get it. Damn. Swinging on my nuts is a fucked up game. No. Get it. Jealousy filling up a fucked up mind. Mm. Yeah. It's real fucked up, like a fucked up crime. Ooh. If I Michael, say fuck, I never want you to be a hype man, <laughs> ever. Yeah. Tell it. No. Mm. Get it. Mm-mm. Yep. If I say fuck two more times, that's 46 fucks in this <laughs> fucked up rhyme. And then he goes on to say fuck a few more times. <laughs> it sounded like Dr. Seuss. Now I can't get that out of my head. <laughs> Are you trying to insult or compliment Fred Durst's excellent lyric writing? Yes. <laughs> Both and neither at the same time. But we're going to we're going to speed up. We're going to get off the of starfish and continue. We're going to uh, roll but, roll on uh, the... We're going to keep rolling 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 through their history. If I had because a nickel it's... for every time we got off on starfish. <laughs> <laughs> I'd have Damn. two nickels. At least it's not jellyfish. Yeah. Be on it. You're not lying. Well, see, and there we go. We're hearkening back to John's kinks and lost all in one fell swoop because mm-hmm. I just got the Hurley stepping on the uh, little oh. pufferfish thing oh, and be like, you got to pee on it. <laughs> <laughs> um, funnily enough, uh, this has been happening since we've been doing the show, especially lately, where someone or an outside thing reminds me or calls back to a topic that we've already covered. I had a coworker come up to me in the past couple of weeks and they're like, do you ever think that we're living... Like, 
not a simulation, but like, <laughs> I was like, you mean, do I ever wonder if we're living in a simulation? Absolutely, I do. And then I got to bore him with, with that topic. For Did you also recommend a podcast that he can listen to? No. no, 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 I don't think you would. No, because he likes you this all person. have the opportunity to organically show your own show to people. The thing is, I don't hide the fact. I'm like, yeah, Shame. yeah, Wednesdays, every Wednesdays, uh, we, me and my friends, we record a podcast. And if they follow up, I tell them what it is. And if they don't, then I don't you know, burden them with the knowledge. See, I can't tell my coworkers because, you know, other than Steven telling everybody they're they're all impressionable youths and I don't want them to hear this. <laughs> Sorry, Brian, for your catching up because I, hey, I do Brian, have several students that, that listen and, and make a point of pointing that out to me where I'm like, oh, no, I said things. <laughs> oh, no. You're like, oh, oh fuck, there's receipts. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, I appreciate it. I'm glad you like me enough not to turn me in, kids. So. <laughs> Thank you. Um, after Chocolate Starfish, like I've mentioned uh, before, they didn't really have any hit albums. Nothing kind of even got close to the numbers that they were used to, um, whether it was because of hiatuses or just time rolling on. No, no <laughs> rolling, intended. Rolling. The law um, of diminishing returns, yes. Exactly. Uh, they went on to release three more albums so far, entitled Results May Vary, The Unquestionable Truth, Part 1, and Gold Cobra. Um, all were released to mixed reviews, never, again, quite selling close to their earlier success. Members left, mainly West West Borland has a really uh, will-they-won't-they vibe in this band, where he's quit like 14 fucking times. Uh, because to the he's point... <laughs> the talented one. Well, it's funny that you Oof. say that because I was going through every record and listening to it front to back just so I could have this mm-hmm. kind of conversation. Yeah. And by the time you get to Results May Vary, which is the follow-up to Chocolate Starfish, uh, Wes Borland left, and he's not he, the only album he's not on is Results May Vary. And you can tell. Results May Vary is bland and fucking boring, and that's saying a lot, depending on what your opinion already <laughs> on Limp Bizkit is. Limp Bizkit is not a band to enjoy in long bursts it's like throwing on nookie at a party to sarcastically bounce around with your friends and then be like i actually really like how this song structure is you know like mm-hmm. anywho well <laughs> i and i've actually made a point and i think you and i had this conversation on many occasions saying i don't disparage fred durst wholly out of spite because i wouldn't have had cold if it were not for Fred Durst specifically. I mean, I'm sure they would have gotten signed in some form or fashion, but since he is the one who spearheaded them out into the general public, yeah, I thank him for that in a lot of respects. And so there, there are aspects of Fred Durst, particularly his business acumen, that I really do appreciate. It's just the music and I weren't always. I'm the man rhymes words with the same word. Oh, and, I, and so I have trouble clearing it. But it you know, Borland's great. Better. Either. No, like, no. But for for what you're saying, like if you look at Wes Borland's career as a guitar player in and out of Limp Biscuit, the man writes super catchy shit, mm. and he's he's like a very lovable goofball, uh, as evident by you know the hot dog flavored water comment, and like right. he's just he's a wacky guy, but a fun wacky. And I know that I'm saying this now, and I really haven't looked up more into his life, so he's probably a fucking monster because that just seems to be the trend. I mean, aren't uh, we all? <laughs> But, but. Uh, you know, strangely enough, as we're talking about this, I'm thinking, was he the progenitor of the I mean, granted, we have Kiss and a lot of other things that predate this. But in the new metal movement, a lot of folks point to Slipknot as being the band that sort of galvanized the let's sell our aesthetic as our gimmick. 
But mm-hmm. I think Biscuit was out before Slipknot was. So yeah, Borland they're... kind of is the new, you know, tip of the spear for mm-hmm. I look weird and gimmicky on stage and that's part of our selling point. And then a lot of other folks follow suit. I think Mudvayne. But I yeah, mean, but a lot were, of folks after point Slipknot, just correct. So, I mean, a lot of folks really point Slipknot because they, the whole band was a gimmick. But Borland stands out in every photograph you ever see of that band circa the late 90s. The man is basically just screaming at you out of any photograph. So it's oh, an interesting yeah. concept. It's what grabbed me when I was searching on YouTube for Limp Biscuit live videos, which how this this whole episode even came to be like months and months back is when I'm up late, like at a certain point, I don't want to watch anything like I want to go to bed soon, but not too soon. So I'll mm-hmm. like find live music videos just because it's something that brings me happiness uh, at night. And one of the thumbnails, I like watching like these kind of bands perform in their prime. So I'll search mm-hmm. Limp Biscuit live 96, like just random years to right. see if there's pro shots or like board bounces or dvd and, stuff and yeah and one of the thumbnails was of west borland looking like a fucking demon and i was like mm-hmm. this is interesting yeah <laughs> you know you just uh, triggered another uh, granted he's the son of bob dylan so you would assume he's quotable but uh jacob dylan off the cuff just threw out a random he's like oh yeah there's no drug like nostalgia at which one was like, oh, dear God, that's pretty yeah. profound. Uh, so, yeah, to that point. Yeah, and I've I've said recently, and <laughs> Becky called my shit out like only your partner can, where I was, I was on a rant. I was like, fuck nostalgia. Nostalgia is the death of creativity. Fuck anyone who, like, buys into this, like, we remade a movie. Blah, 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 blah. Uh, but then all it took was Dead Space getting a PS5 remake for me. Like, <laughs> I can't wait for this game. And she goes, oh, so it's okay when it's something that you enjoy. <laughs> and I was like, fuck. <laughs> You're right. So I kind of, I agree. I still think what I think, but I'm aware uh, of the problem. This is you cycling out of your 20s and into your 30s, my friend. As someone who's cycling out of my 30s into my (laughs) 40s, yeah, you start to change some of those hard lines that you felt for so long. And now you're like, oh, man, I was just a blowhard asshole. I mean, always. (laughs) Yeah, welcome to my world. I I very frequently, even in earlier episodes of this show, I look back, it's like, ah, just shut up already, you bastard. (laughs) But with all the uh, success that Limbiscuit had, you'd be correct if you were to assume that they had their fair amount of controversy, and you would be even more correct if you assumed the majority of that controversy was surrounding Fred Durst. Uh, And rightfully so. I don't want this to, and I know it's kind of felt like it so far, I don't want it to feel like John jacks off Fred Durst for an hour and some change on the amazing things that he's done. Because Fred Durst was labeled appropriately an asshole. He's done a lot of really bad things. And he's said a lot of very hurtful things. Um, Whether or not you think it's performance art, I don't think it's an excuse. I don't well, feel like you get to say yeah. what you want. Just be like, it was an act. It's like, that's, that's not no, how no, that no, works. No. John, this is how we learn, and this is how we burn. Thank you. So here's some examples of the dumb stuff that he's done. He's a real knucklehead. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, stupid. So he knucklehead. <laughs> Coming this fall to TNT. <laughs> Uh, Fred Durst once was arrested for kicking a security guard in the head during a performance, and there's no, they they don't really elaborate more. So in my head, all I see is him just like you know punting. 
<laughs> just, um, At least it's not the Marilyn Manson, let me rest my testicles on the top of your head. I uh. also heard a story about Manson where he would run out to the front of, front of house soundboard and just put his arm across the soundboard and just fucking wreck the whole mix. And It's uh, the only way he's going to sound decent. I know. Uh, on one of their first tours uh, they were with Faith No More and the keyboardist from Faith No More recalled um, his time with Limbiscuit on tour that is such a weird combination I really agree that guy Fred Durst had a really bad attitude he was kind of a jerk I remember he called the audience members insert a really bad derogatory word for being gay at one show when they booed him (laughs) not a good scene (laughs) on a larger scale and this one was hard not to do a whole episode on, and Shane jumped to it uh, almost I immediately. I often do, yeah. Uh, were the events that did happen at Woodstock 99. And to keep this short, HBO has recently released a documentary called Woodstock 99 where you can see it all. But Although from what I've read, it's very, very biased and skewed to kind of blow some things further up and not really have counter-opinions. Okay. I, I haven't watched it yet, so I can't really speak to it. Um, but essentially when Limp Biscuit was performing during the festival to over 200,000 people, things got violent. Uh, during break stuff, fans were tearing plywood from the walls, surfing on doors, setting things on fire. Sadly, sexual assaults were reported during their set. Um, during the set, and I think this is before break stuff, uh, Durst had told the crowd, people are getting hurt, but don't let anybody get hurt. But I don't think you should mellow out. That's what Alanis Morissette had you motherfuckers do. If someone falls, pick them up. We already let the negative energy out. Now we want to let out the positive energy. Just <laughs> later. Stop, please. He's I guess, trying to probably trying to get into the Woodstock spirit of peace and love, but yes, uh, you <laughs> missed maybe, the mark a little. Maybe he you later guys shouldn't stated. be punching each other in the face. You know, just just Can punch you, yourself. Maybe well, a little shoving. Stop surfing on top of broken doors. This isn't fucking Titanic. <laughs> 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 your heart won't go on. Uh, the problem I want your with heart this, to roll. <laughs> the like to contextualize though, for those who have no idea what it was, kind of an inciting thing. This was a very overly corporatized presentation compared to yes. the original, which I mean was also terribly poorly planned. But <laughs> they were selling like they ran out of bottled water or something and then started to jack up the prices on it and it was already outrageously like $12 for a bottle of water to begin with and so people were constantly being taxed for almost everything that took place at the festival so folks were basically just a powder keg waiting for a spark and along comes Limp Biscuit. and for further context this is 1999 this is when they're touring to support their breakthrough album mm. uh, significant other you know the one with nookie and break stuff on it like they were an attraction at this time they were they weren't a boy band but fred durst had the attention of a boy band level celebrity yeah um so people wanted to hear what he was saying so uh, he stated later in an interview i didn't see anybody getting hurt you don't see that when you're looking out on a sea of people and the stage is 20 feet in the air and you're performing and you're feeling your music, how do they expect us to see something bad going on? Oh, my God. I like your <laughs> affectation for the word Hoyt. <laughs> it, tickles, it tickles me immensely. <laughs> what did I say? Hurt. Instead, oh, of, hurt. instead of hurt, hurt. is Hoyt. Yeah. 
<laughs> You've uh, got a weird like crossbreed between Fred Durst and Harley Quinn, and it's adorable, yeah, and I love it to perfect. death. No, it doesn't. Need, uh, none of mine are perfect either. That's what makes it fun. You got your uh, hook though. Moving on, so, sadly, during a 2001 tour of Australia at the Big Day Out Festival in Sydney, fans rushed the stage in the mosh pit, and teenager Jessica Michalik died of asphyxiation. In Auckland, New Zealand, on the same tour, Durst threw water over the head of a security personnel tasked with defusing a similar situation. Uh, during the Big Day Out crush, Durst has been accused of taunting security guards intervening the situation. In court, Durst, represented by his longtime attorney, testified that he had warned the concert organizers, or, organizers, 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 Michael, um, of the potential dangers of having minimal security. However, after viewing video and hearing witness testimony, the coroner said it was evident that the density of the crowd was dangerous at the time Limp Biscuit took the stage, and Durst should have acted more responsibly when the problem became apparent. Durst stated that he was emotionally scarred because of the teenager's death. So this one he actually does mention a few more times in his life, even up till today. Like, this was a very, one, just a sad moment in general, because that's not what, no one wants that to happen. But also as a performer, like, how, I don't know how I would even be able to, to bear with that. Uh, there's similar stories like I don't know I can I know at least two of you aren't but like Lamb of God had a similar thing happen with Randy Blythe where a um, I think it was in Russia they were playing and someone brutally died during one of their shows to the point where the next time that Lin, or uh, Lin Biscuit the next time that Lamb of God set foot in Russia Randy Blythe was arrested and there was a Damn. whole big deal on getting him out of oh Russian prison for the murder. Like, he had to go to a murder trial in Russia for someone dying at his show. It was fucking... There's a documentary Damn. on it. It's fucking crazy. Huh. It was um, Mierder? Yeah. And out... Mierder. <laughs> out of Mierder. Um, in 2000, at the MTV Music Awards, Durst performed his song Living It Up as a duet with Britney Spears. In response to the performance, Filter Frontman was quoted as saying, Fred getting on stage with Spears embarrassed us all. In response to the negative remarks... Durst remarked, I already done told you guys before. I did it all for the nookie, man. In response to Durst's remarks, Spears commented, he got no nookie. <laughs> now, okay, uh, was was Richard Patrick actually the one who threw yes. that quote? Yes. Really? Oh, yeah. man. It was, it was, it was Mr., Mr. Richard himself. Mr. Uh, self-gratification on an airplane. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> Oh really? You, yeah. You're not familiar that that's what that song was about. Take my picture. Uh huh. No, did I actually nail it? Is that the song? Uh huh. Yeah, that's that it's is, about him jacking off on an airplane. Uh, it's about him being so intoxicated that he stripped down. Hence, why I Do you feel like take a my newborn because I won't remember. Okay, uh, and yeah, okay. So I was if like, he stripped if... naked in an airplane after being intoxicated and and may or may not have uh, indulged himself a little. Okay. Yeah. Well, Damn. I can't say i'm gonna look that up but i'm gonna take you at face value on that one <laughs> I, I might have to just re-listen to that song yeah uh, huh. please do because yes there's an entirely different context put on it or subtext i should say when you know what the actual incident was i won't remember hey dad what yeah. do you think about your son now sorry this is now spiraling into no, a whole no, other no. episode on itself but yeah go look it up it's a lot of fun Huh. Um, so we're, we're basically caught up as you can, as you can tell on Limp Bizkit's history, but a through line of their, of their band, uh, from 94 to present day, funnily enough, was Durst's aspirations outside of the band. Shane, you've made a mention to his, like his business acumen. Um, so shortly after being signed in 94, 
he got hired as senior vice president of A&R at Interscope. Uh, and that's not bullshit, just to get ahead of it. Um, he signed a fair amount of bands. Shane's already mentioned one, Cold. The notable one that pops out in articles and to me is Stained, mm-hmm. although I guess originally he got in some arguments over their what they wanted to have as their first album art. It's not important. Um, but what I found most interesting, and I've mentioned to you guys before, is that he was really obsessed and is obsessed with film and filmmaking. So while Limp Biscuit was on one of many a hiatus, Durst began working in independent films. Uh, he's released uh, a few movies, actually. His directional debut was titled The Education of Charlie Banks, which starred Jesse Eisenberg. Uh, it received mixed reviews on Rotten Tomato, assigned the film a score of 46%. Um, it, the consensus was unevenness and earnestness admire the otherwise sweet, surprising coming-of-age drama. Um, his second movie had Ice Cube in it. It was called The Long Shots in tw- or 2008. Uh, that one got a 39% on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, wow. Uh, calling it a largely formulaic affair, rarely deviating from the inspirational sports movie playbook. I, uh, I mean, uh, film critics also probably need to have a, a significant amount of work done to remove their heads from their asses. Uh, oh, I, I heartily agree. <laughs> yeah. uh, but his most recent movie, it came out in tw- uh, 2019. And if I hadn't been burnt out after researching, I was going to watch it and give some notes. Um, but it's called The Fanatic. And the lead role is played by John fucking Travolta. So huh. it got a 16% on Rotten Tomatoes and a Razzinom. <laughs> so he's, he's on a pretty significant downward trend. <laughs> wow. Yes. But with positive, without, or with positive or, or with negative reviews, he's getting big people. Yeah. Big people like to, to play in these fucking roles. And I don't think that happens if, if you don't know what you're doing. Like, entirely. is that a shot at Travolta's waiter? Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> Fuck around and find out. <laughs> um, also, and this is where things started getting really weird for me, is like, you never would, I never would think to look into this. And sorry, Michael, sorry, Courtney, and to the listeners who don't have an encyclopedic knowledge of new metal bands like no. Shane and I do. Um, but Fred Durst directed almost every video that Limp Bizkit ever put out. Um, and also, he's he's done a lot of music videos mm. as a director. Hmm. So Get I around paying somebody. Yeah, and I wanted to include a short list at the very least because I think that Shane would find it entertaining. Mm-hmm. Um, so he has done music videos for the following. I'm just going to rapid fire here. He's done uh, Stained, Just Go. He did the video for Nookie for his band. He did the video for Corn Falling Away From Me. The video for Break Stuff from his own band. Stain's video for Home. Stain's video for It's Been a While, which is pretty iconic Ooh, at this point. Okay. Um, he also did Puddle of Mud's Control, Blurry, and Drift and Die. Oh. Uh, he's did a, he's done a video for Cold. He's done Bleed mm-hmm. for Cold, and then also he's done uh, the video for Stained Epiphany, and that's just a few of of the videos he's done. He's even gone on. There's a another modern new metal influence band. Michael's called Dead D E D. Um, he's done videos for them at this point. No, as well. they're not spelled that way. <laughs> yes, it, it is, is spelled that way. <laughs> and actually, uh, we have some local, uh, not necessarily friends, but acquaintances that that acquaintances. manage. Uh, that band, mm-hmm. which is pretty cool. Huh. Um, so at this point, I think we're dangerously close to a two-parter, and <laughs> I don't think Shane could survive that, and I am extremely burnt out on researching something I thought would be a throwaway topic. So I'm going to try and wrap this up the best that I can. Well, uh, kudos I to go... for the extended effort thus far. Uh, yeah. I, yeah, I know it was a joke initially, so that you've gone oh, all I... hog. There's no fucking joke here. I think... My sources list is at least over 10, and I can't count the tabs because I 
fell ten into some tabs. fucking rabbit holes here. Hashtag um, ten tabs. I'm also not abashed that we have not picked a single lie out of this. I think oh that God. if I was yeah. able to figure out the uh, the fact from the fiction, I would be ashamed of myself. Oh yeah. So this is this is why I I steered course from focusing on just Fred Durst because when I started reading everything about Limp Biscuit, it is that larger than life, uh, stranger than fiction, uh, kind of shit. Uh, but I wanted to work on wrapping it up. Uh, also, if you want some fun side reading, this is in the, the show notes, and we're not going to talk about it at all. There is an article listed uh, of Fred Durst possibly colluding with Russia. Uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> so that is in the show notes oh, if you want. God. But the reason Lola, or Lola, Lollapalooza this year grabbed me like it did is because it showed a band from a technical side at their prime. The performance, I think, was inspired and very tight. Fred as a frontman's changed. Even if it's still just performative, you know, he's acknowledging everything. It's what I originally told you guys a month or a few Mm -hmm. weeks ago of like the shit that he was saying in between songs was very woke and no one was going to expect that Fred Durst was going to come out looking like your dad saying to get vaccinated, fuck plastic water. uh, (laughs) And, you know, if you're going to put shit up your ass, like at least be safe about it. Um, Uh, Or he looked like a... uh, an extra from a Beastie Boys video in 1997. Dude, yeah. He also even, and Shane, this might make you happy, he was very self-aware of Woodstock 99. And before they played break stuff, he goes, let's make this clear. This is not Woodstock 99. Fuck all that bullshit. Just want to party like it's 1999. Oh, gosh. Uh, he did not say that last part. He he actually did because they have a song called 1999. So it was do. leading into 1999. Naturally. Um, sadly, due to COVID concerns, they canceled the... They had a, a tour in August. And this is what really ruffled my feathers before Lollapalooza. Is that they had announced a tour with my favorite fucking metal band currently called Spirit Box. Um, which I had never expected. I was like... Man, I hope they come through Arizona because I don't care for Limp Biscuit, but I would pay any money to see fucking Spirit Box. Lies. Um, now you <laughs> yeah, are more that, excited bullshit. to see Limp Biscuit. <laughs> yes, that was oh, one how, of your lies. Bullshit. No, how I have it written here? Uh, my favorite new parenthetical, not new metal, like NU is how they spell new, new, new metal. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I can't say that I'm a diehard Limp Biscuit fan, and outside of laughs, I can't say that I really do care much for Fred Durst, even though he has a fun. Uh, TikTok presence nowadays that's just as self-aware as I've described. Uh, but that's uh, that's a brief history on Limp Biscuit and, and Fred Durst. Wow. Hmm. <sighs> you you made me fall down a really weird rabbit hole because in my head I just went to since we're talking about weird bills. I saw Cold as a headliner at the uh, glorious Martini Ranch where you nearly got oh, killed. Fuck. Uh, but the the opener was Flyleaf, which is technically who I went to see because I was oh. giddy and absolutely in love with them. Their EP just came out, so this is before Fuck. the full length record came out. And the middle was Smile Empty Soul. Oh, I know how much you love that band. And the lead singer of that band actually got a, a shoe in the face because he was talking <laughs> shit to somebody in the crowd, and the guy just took his shoe off and whipped it at his head. <laughs> I'll tell and, you what, that shit don't fly in this red state, bruh. Oh, man, I, I could not have been more delighted. Uh, that was a really fun evening. Uh, Would it make you even more delighted to know that I really don't enjoy Smile Empty Soul anymore now that I'm uh, not a teenager? Yeah, I, I never liked them, sadly. Yeah. That's not a, oh, well, not even sadly, but uh, I was smiling in a very empty fashion. But I still have that poster from that show that I got all of the uh, the members of Flyleaf to sign. So it's, oh. you've you've hit my big nostalgia trigger here go. as well. But uh yeah, now so bless Fred some, Durst. 
Yeah, well, now that I've had some distance from Flyleaf evangelizing in between their songs, I could probably try to listen to their debut again because oh, I, I liked the debut back in the time. Oh, so good. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't bother me. It, it oddly never did, considering that I I'm not a very big fan of evangelical stuff. But then I mean, I love Anne Berlin and other bands like that where it's not yeah, but immensely I, upfront. So I saw Anne Berlin and I saw Flyleaf and Flyleaf deliberately like, and I don't know if I've said this to you or while you were on the show, Courtney, but when I saw Flyleaf, like in the middle of their set, there was like a, a hearty five minute break where mm-hmm. she went on to be like, and here's why you should. Oh, God, this Limp biscuit voice. Uh, like, here's why. Here's why you should care about Jesus. Jesus is the reason that we're all here today. Ha ha. And <laughs> <laughs> Better. <laughs> Gorsh. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, I like their music. Mm hmm. But that was the, the proselytizing first experience I had. Yeah, from. that was I think 2007 oh or 2008. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, uh, Amberlin borders on it uh, okay. occasionally. I don't recall not, it not when that heavy-handedly, but they they do get there. Mm-hmm. Okay, between songs, I have a fun connection because you've talked about corn a lot. I've actually met Brian Head Welch. Oh, because he went on his. his nu- I read be his book. A big old Christian. Boy, I read his and book. He would travel around, and I met him at one of the shows he did. His Ooh. his uh. I would check out his wackadoo Christian <laughs> album one more time. <laughs> How was it meeting him? It was quick because it was at an event. Oh, okay. Yeah. He, he, he still looked a like whole, a fucking freak, right? Oh, yeah. He did a whole like set thing. I think he talked a little. And yeah, it was weird. <laughs> Naturally, was, as you'd expect. Yeah. Uh, you don't live the life that he lived. and th- Well, he got the life, technically. Uh, <laughs> and then go off the, the rails in the complete opposite direction and would, escape unscathed. Yeah. Would you say that maybe the choices that he made kind of made him like a freak on a leash? <sighs> <laughs> he, he had a lot of problems because all day he dreamt about sex. Yeah, he did. It made him blind, <laughs> actually, after jerking off for so long, sadly. What are you um, going to do? Do you? Do you guys have any any stabs? No, I, I I'd love okay. to try, but I'm I'm so far afield. I don't think I would you're get good. there. Okay, I'm so trying the first to remember lie all the numbers, is I can't get anything. Oh, no, you're good. Nah. First lie is that I mentioned that Stained had opened up for Limp Bizkit. That they were sounded signed. a little weird, and I yeah, they, I had a hair twinge, but then I was like, oh, I don't they know had how they met. They never even met each other at that point. Okay, the band that opened for Limp Bizkit before they were even signed was Sugar Ray. Holy Jesus. No. Yeah, which I thought was, I almost just left in there to, so that you guys would call it bullshit, because I would never fucking think that. Okay. Good pivot, though. Well done. Um, thank you. Starfish actually sold 8 million copies in its first week, or uh, sold 8 million, um, not 13 mil. So I did do a, a cheap number line. All right. Just, just for Michael, because I knew he would sniff. It's got to oh, be man. expected. I knew that bitch would sniff. Language. <laughs> Sorry. Don't you, um, you, the durst has seeped into your soul again, my friend. All right, motherfuckers. Uh, for this final lie. No, uh, the MTV duet that I mentioned was not with Britney Spears. It was with Christina Aguilera. Dang it. I was going to. However, in 2002, <laughs> Durst was tapped to write songs for Britney Spears and later said that he was in a relationship with her, okay. which Spears denied his claims. In a 2009 interview, Fred explained that, I just guess at the time it was taboo for a guy like me to be associated with a gal like her. I I remember this was, I alluded to this in the John Mayer episode, and I figured you were going to hoist me on my own petard. And also, uh, so I didn't read into it, but I guess 
Eminem and Fred Durst used to be friends, and then there was a falling or a feud with the band Everlast. Okay. Um, that Fred Durst, I guess, sided well, with considering Everlast and uh, ruined their relationship. I was going to say uh, he was in House of Pain, so that would make sense considering the allegiance with Limp Bizkit, So yeah, but there's that Eminem song. Is it Without Me? Where he's uh has that line about sit me next to Christina to Fred, yeah, or Aguilera and Fred Durst. Durst and see who can what was it can give head first or something yeah, like that. Something like that. Yeah, something like that. So I, I, I didn't know if, if anyone sniffed that out, but I haven't watched that video. I need to look that'll be the final thing for me. And then I'm never listening well not never. I'm not <laughs> gonna listen to Limp for a very long fucking time. Don't lie to me. I'm well, a very long lying. time for him means like until tomorrow morning. Or oh something. yeah, I have a very yeah, selective exactly. memory. <laughs> Where am I? Huh? What year is it? <laughs> Is Nixon still president? Um, but yeah, that's that's really all I got for you. In the midst of this, though, I did have an article plop into my lap from Revolver about uh, Slipknot and one of my favorite albums from them called Iowa. And I might have something for you all in a month or so while I'm still working on the Illuminati bullshit um, about the creation of a band or of an album that nearly killed all of its members. So huh. and nearly Color killed me tree. as well. Same. It is to this day. Slipknot's Iowa is one of the most hateful records I've ever listened to in my entire life. It's like they bottled up pure, just absolute hatred for the human race and released it on on a record. Mm. And it I sounded like it. Yeah. It fucking did. It scared the shit out of me when I first heard it as a kid. <laughs> oh, yeah. sorry. When Shane was twenty one years old. Uh, no, I was actually eighty seven <laughs> at the time. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Well. Michael, do you want to ask your dumb fucking question that you asked? Nah, me? I, f- I feel like we kind of got it out, um, <laughs> just like you on the bathroom walls. So, oh, nice. We're nice, gonna make nice sure that back. gets looped back into the episode yeah, as just... often as possible, so that you you never can't get let rid the of semen it. die. It's, the Michael it's Clark the, story. Uh, it's the new, uh, new thing. So. <laughs> People God don't forget, damn. John. The neo jizz. The neo jizz. <laughs> <laughs> or the new new jizz. I, I like the new new jizz. <laughs> he oh, she jizz. me new new jizz. The jizz. new new jizz jizz and the die die. It's our <laughs> our brand new bar downtown Phoenix. Oh, fuck me. <laughs> Come get a high colonic from us. <laughs> uh, I I was able everything. to share these with Stephen earlier in the week, but since you're both here, uh, well, you're all here. Sorry. Yeah, both. My brain didn't transition. Uh, <laughs> Hey, oh, that's fucking bad. Shane is holding up a pin. Yes, I'm. Yeah. I'm throwing all of these glorious things. Uh, so I was not kidding. We will have some some fun grab baggy things for those who come to visit us at yes. Fan Fusion yeah. in January <laughs> of 2022 because we are officially back on our bullshit and Yay. looking forward to bringing the disinformation to all of you fine feathered folks that are going to be adorned in glorious costumes and looking for lies in all the wrong places because we're we're going to have them for you. Hope people are ready to see Michael's face as it usually is when we record. <laughs> disappointed Dad? and full of <laughs> constipated and confused the michael clark story that sounds like a, a richard edwards song actually constipated and confused it does sound it's like better than cucked by god so indeed which it. is another one we're going to definitely have to get on a t-shirt but <laughs> uh so uh, go ahead no you go ahead oh I was no you say, go like, ahead like it's a it's a picture of of Michael like a like a caricature of Michael and he's like wearing a necklace that says "cucked by God" on it or something. No, like I that. want Michael leading a donkey with a pregnant woman on it, and that's <laughs> officially 
how we're presenting it from this point forward. Hey. Just head down, somber, Courtney. cucked by God, just emblazoned on the chest. Speaking of art. If that gets art, made into a shirt before January, I will wear it at the panels. Oh All right. God. Speaking of art and speaking of Steven, Courtney, you received just some fucking fire in your in- inbox. Ask and you will sh- receive. Um, Steven came through. I didn't even give any context. I just tweeted out, like, if anybody can draw me a duck in a sheep's costume, um, I'll give you money, and it's for science. And he didn't ask for money. He's like, oh, science is enough. Here's this for science, and it is the cutest thing I've ever seen. It's fucking adorable. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It's Uh, one of my, outside of Shane getting chest bursted, it's my favorite bit of art. He has really come through in so many ways, shapes, and forms. And I'm, uh, he actually told me today, uh, that he won an art competition. Wow. Uh, that I believe he's it. entered and he's, uh, continuing with a couple others as well. So, uh, a very prolific and now award winning artist that we have, uh, officially indentured to us because I will keep him <laughs> churning material out <laughs> regardless. Close. He actually keep told me he safe. was like about to go to bed <laughs> when he saw that tweet and he's like, Nah, I think I can bust this out and elected to stay up a little later and just churned that out in an evening, which is even more impressive to me. An artist never sleeps. Hmm. It made my night. I sat there and laughed probably for like 10 minutes before I did anything else with it. I was just like, I am so happy. So don't call it a comeback. It's not Courtney. But, uh, Jesus sorry, I, I will stop making that joke. I know you hate me. Just, yes. And she's trying there to kill herself with a pillow. There we go. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, don't, don't call it a comeback. Superfan Michael, uh, superfan Steven is upping the game. So I'm going to make it a war amongst the two of you for supremacy. <laughs> and superfan Jess, who created the artwork we use for this actual bloody show, is in the running as well. So uh, we are going to profit off of all of your backs by you competing for the top spot. We're just going to, you know, lash some whips around you and see what happens. Oh, and hey, I have breaking news here because it it came to my attention before we started recording. And I just got another, well, yes. And I just got another person sending me a screenshot of it. So I definitely guess that I put this energy out into the world. Mm. Uh, But guess who's been dismissive of vaccinations and has COVID as of today? Uh, that Wednesday, that bullshit uh, bespeckled brothers of yours or brothers, brother of yours. No, no. Funnily enough, <laughs> Damn Joe it. fucking Rogan. Get out of here. Yeah, Joe oh, Rogan just shit. got got COVID. I know that we sound really callous, like celebrating it. But if you've been oh, no, saying not to get vaccinated, yeah. you can go fucking fuck yeah. yourself. Fucking fuck fuckers. Oh, <laughs> silly sex. How many shit. times was that? Keep going. Yeah, uh, we got to break the record. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck, fuck, I'm going to show fuck, you fuck, that fuck. when we get off air. Oh, no. You're going to get subjected no, to it. No. <laughs> There's so much that apparently we have to expose Courtney to. So this is officially her last episode. Thank you for being here. Bye. Podcaster Bye. Courtney. <laughs> yeah. Been fun. Good night, sweet princess. Hey, don't use gendered That's language. Voldecourt to you, bud. <laughs> I didn't call you by your name. Good night, oh, yeah. sweet Voldecourt. Thank you. There you go. Sorry. Yeah. My Say apologies. <sighs> Say it right, I don't say it at all. I'm very happy to have you here, Michael Porter. Oh, no. <laughs> it's a pretty good Voldemort. I kind of like where this is going. Well, you're going to like it even less when we get done here, I'm sure. But, Instead uh, of a, a wand that does a killing spell, he's just holding my cock and sprays you with cum. <laughs> oh, no. It plasters the bathroom wall behind me. Oh, yeah, your face is my bathroom wall. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm in I danger. I'm an adult. Yeah. <laughs> well, ladies and germaphobes and cumslingers everywhere, thank you for joining us for another soul-stirring installment of <laughs> musical disinformation. And we appreciate you being here with us as always. Link tree in the show notes. If you want to follow us on any of the socials, we are here every marvelous Monday morning. So you can give us your devotion by sending us artwork, as we have evidenced. Or you can subscribe on your preferred podcast provider app and then give us a little rate and review because we would love to hear from you. In addition, we are going to occasionally be doing things on YouTube going forward, and that's a discussion for another time, as Conan would say. But uh, I think that is going to wrap things up like Fred Durst's career, possibly. Who knows? We are hitting our renaissance, if you will. Neo-new metal, friends. All the new news. The new news. New new metal, guys. New new oh, metal. Oh, I just new nude. And the die die. Man, this baby talk is starting to really deteriorate here. Uh, <laughs> so I got news. He doesn't want to tell us yet. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Ladies and germaphobes, thank you all for being here, and we will wish you a very fond adieu. So for the disinformed podcast this week, I'm Shane. I'm John. I'm Michael. I was Courtney. <laughs> Zippity zoop, we're out of here. <laughs> <laughs>